0: Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin.
1: And I'm Van Lathan.
0: Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment.
1: We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify.
2: This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com.
2: Cold open question of the week, Kaz. Dave, what's up? Are you more of an Eddie Kingston post-show promo guy or a Kofi Kingston in-show screaming into the microphone <laughs> promo guy <laughs> i feel like this is a trick question to, to trigger the aw
1: fans so <laughs> i'm gonna plead the fifth on this one <laughs> i'm pleading the fifth let's start the
2: show
0: What's going on, jabronis? It's pitch Mr. Perfect,
2: Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. First battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lynch. The king of sad Stop. The silver lake heartthrob. It's Trey Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. It's your
1: real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks.
0: Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I have come Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goof Haraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. Yeah, yeah, listening you're, to listen, you to, to. And you are listening to the. the listening you're listening to the mask, mask Man the Show. The Masked Man Show. The Mask Man Show.
2: The Mask Man Show. The Mask, the mask man, man, show. man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show with Kaz. Happy Thursday. How you doing, man? I'm good,
1: man. Happy Thursday. Good good week of wrestling this week. I got a lot to talk Whew. about. Good week of wrestling and shout yeah. out to everybody who, shout uh, out to,
2: shout out to AEW who is, yo, I, I have more to talk about with them this week than the, than the other channel. And, the, and, is, is there anything more AEW than having a phenomenal
1: show, having a, a plus level video package to send them home on daily's place. And then Jim Ross ending with <laughs> There's no better ticket in town than WWE Dynamite. I was like, ah, talk about
2: like Leon Fett fumbling at the one yard line. It was just, oh man, you had it right there. JR. Yeah. And he said AEW like five seconds before he said five WWE. Five seconds earlier. Yeah. Five seconds earlier. But no, no,
1: no shade to JR, man. That shit happens. He's still the goat, but it's, it was just really funny. Let's not make it more of a big deal than it is. It was just funny.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I mean, announcers obviously in wrestling get a lot of shit and, 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 sports too but but i do but but i do think in sports i mean the 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 diehards are much more vocal in pro wrestling than they are in other sports right especially 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 the AEW diehards let's keep that clear (laughs) my other yeah i have another podcast that uh, that features you know the the subject of sports media very heavily we've talked about all these you know big name basketball and football announcers that have gotten flack over the years and stuff like that and i mean you know you can say Oh, I don't like Joe Buck. You know, he doesn't add anything to the Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They don't, they're not like I like I like more of an egghead sort of de- you know, booth or whatever. People that have more details and stuff. And that's all good and well. But like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman sound like a football game, right? Yeah. And, and and for like 95% of the viewers, all you want is that like comfortable grandpa hug that, you know, that like it's that it feels right. Yeah.
1: I'll be honest. Like, there's a lot of times where I'm listening to, you know, I hear those things about like Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman and all that, but Honestly, to me, when it comes to color commentary, the best thing you could do is not stand out. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if what you do is so ingrained and in part of the show that I don't even, you know, I don't even think twice about what you're doing. Like, I don't want what you're doing to take away from what I'm watching on, on the screen. I think you're doing a great job. And I don't, I don't fault Joe Buck or Trey Aikman like that. When I hear their voices and I see football being played, it feels right. And it feels the same. And I and I get the same vibe with Jim Ross mm-hmm. anytime I hear him talking about wrestling. It's like so like so what? Like so uh, it's it, sure it's nice to hear like new voices and younger voices and 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 different sort of takes. And there's certain commentators that could, you know, maybe stand out more than the usual standout. But when I hear Jim Ross, I think of professional wrestling. And uh, you know, that, that's it's it's funny. It's funny to hear that that sort of take from people because you know, that's that's it's what he does. He's a legend and a great man once play his fuck up too," so I ain't gonna I am gonna rag on Jim Ross for you know being great ninety nine
2: percent of the time and having like that one
1: percent kind of be or even pretty good. I mean, he's about. not the
2: peak that he once was. But here is the thing: he had to tweet. He tweeted. He he owned it. Right? He tweeted this morning or last night. Apparently, I made an untimely error tonight and chose in no excuses, and I'm not quitting. That's the last line. Is the funny part? Then it's like <laughs> the perception of wrestling fans is that as if it's on him to quit. We we have so much of this perception of like the volition of the star right it's like you have to agree to go out on your back right, right. Fact, like it's triple h's fault that he won all those matches in their <laughs> 2000 you know it's a it's it's the undertaker whoever the wrestling the retirement matches it's like it's on them to choose whether or not they put someone else over here's the thing if j if, if if tony khan or probably any number of other people involved with aew were just done with jr didn't think he was worth it he'd probably be out the door he doesn't have to quit he doesn't no. you know he doesn't no. have to quit and and I think bringing this full circle to football thing, there's a lot of people, like you just said, that like love JR, that for whom it's it's good to hear him talk, even if he... I still love
1: JR. Like, I don't care. I, I don't care if he's not as sharp as he used to be. Like, when I hear him bigging up, like, you know, we were talking about this in, a, in, a, in our group chat before the show, how we thought MJF for Sammy Guevara was a five-star match in the instant classic. Like, there's something always special when I watch AEW hearing jim ross talk about the next generation of superstars and and megastars and you know there's something great about like a main event cable television show with two guys who aren't necessarily household names quite yet but you got jim ross who's a, a household name bigging those up and you can't pay for that you can't put a dollar amount or a significant amount on, on a guy putting over those type of talents like i don't care who you are and i'll and i'm a I'm a big Michael Cole guy, too. Like, I've seen Michael Cole up up close and personal and just know how great he is, as much flack as he tends to get. He's not Jim Ross, though. Like, Jim Ross is the voice of professional wrestling. And, you know, for... A bunch of casuals for a bunch of people who may not tune into Raw Smackdown every week, but will catch a meme or will catch something or catch some sort of nostalgia kick on the, the golden days of wrestling. Jim Ross is the voice of that. So, I, you know, it, it, it kind of is what it is with that, man. And I'm glad he said, I'm not quitting. I'm not going out on my back because wrestling fans are so fickle that we'll sit there and talk about, oh, Jim Ross needs to hang it up. But like, if somebody who was on 205 live that you weren't even watching in the first place gets released, it's a whole soliloquy of how these people were misused and they should they should do better. I'm like, are you kidding me? You have that sort of sympathy <laughs> for for the Bollywood boys who I love. Yeah, that much sympathy for the Bollywood boys, but you're saying Jim Ross needs to go out in his bag. Get out of here
2: with that. Jr's got bills to pay too, man. Have some right. sympathy. <laughs> You know, and it's it, this kind of brings us around because because everyone thinks that like there's this united front of voices that everybody's. I mean, the people that are complaining about Jr. are stuck in this sort of feedback loop where they think everybody's like tired of Jr. And it's the point is that it's not true. Like a lot of pe- there's a lot true. of good things about him, uh, a lot of value that he adds, and a lot of people enjoy his his presentation. And the reason why I think this is pertinent and where, where I'm trying to go with this is that AEW does listen to its fans and yeah that was a point that was made very literally very straightforwardly by none other than eddie kingston last friday or last saturday um eddie show goes off the air eddie kingston comes out to the ring to send the crowd home happy and uh does it with like a five minute promo that AEW quickly put up on their youtube channel you know i mean it's it's they, they wanted to make sure it got out there but um so kingston gets on the microphone and I was rewatching it right before we came on the air, and I'm trying. I was just like, it didn't quite feel as pointed the second time. Or the, I mean, I read, I I watched clips of it and stuff, but this last time, it, I it like,
1: read worse than it actually was.
2: Yeah, like I, I I read about it before I actually watched it. I'm like, ah, it's not that bad. But go ahead, my fault, Dave. No, but that's exactly it. It's just like, okay, this guy's just talking on the mic. But basically, it was just the comment was, you know, I don't care about burning bridges. AEW cares about its fans. AEW loves professional wrestling. That sets us apart from the competition. And he said a lot about what you wouldn't see on the other channel, but I think that the the real tagline was you won't see heart like this on the other channel, right? And well, there's a couple of things. One, I mean, AEW does clearly care about its fans and that's part of its organizing principle and, and everything sure. that and it certainly feels like it's I mean, make no mistake about it. Like I I, I rag they had a crowd they had a crowd. On Wednesday night last night, right? For sure. And I and I
1: rag on the fans a lot, but like AEW's fan base is the clear reason why they even exist. Like they are so passionate and so built into what makes it like the real pirate ship of of, of sports, entertainment, slash, professional wrestling, right? Like they wouldn't be they wouldn't exist if it wasn't for their passionate fan base. So I'm not mad so, at that.
2: No, no, no. And so yeah, and that's that's the point. I mean, and listen, they're gonna get back on the road you know, traveling other places soon. And we may well find out that they don't care about their fans. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) they may get out to Poughkeepsie or something and everybody's chanting for like a, you know, Kenny Omega face turn and they're just like, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but they do, as far as we know, as far as we can tell, they do care. But it's not just that they they respond to the fans, which they do. And obviously we've seen pushes and stuff that have come up really organic ways. But it's also, it's like, it's a group of fans, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, it's like their owner is a fan, first and foremost, right? I mean, that's why they exist, because Tony Khan was a fan of professional wrestling. And, you know, Cody Rhodes, you know, and and all the elite guys that that kind of co-founded the company, these, I mean... Their careers tell you they were fans. These weren't like bar bouncers that got dragged into the spotlight to make millions of dollars, right? These are people who like dedicated their lives to professional wrestling. They are fans, you know, and you see that. You see that. And whether or not you can, t- I mean, heart, you know, heart's kind of subjective, but whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. But, but but I do think. I mean, that, look at the Young Bucks, right? Like the Young Bucks' entire gimmick is you have to be a lifelong wrestling fan to get the Young to Bucks, understand. right? Yeah. <laughs> like everything they do. Is either a tribute or a parody, or depending on how you look at it, to the Attitude Era or just stuff that made us wrestling fans in the beginning. So it's like, of course, like those are guys that are not just, you know, the top talents on the show, but they're in the boardroom. Like they kind of make these decisions. They kind of, you know, along with, you know, the inner, for lack of a better term, the inner circle of Jericho, Cody, Kenny. Um, and like, you know, the Malenko's and Arn Anderson's of the world, those are the wrestling minds that kind of make the show go. So like, you gotta be fans like, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a plus for them. Um, what I think, uh, you know, I guess when we're talking about the, the Eddie Kingston promo and I saw, um, bully Ray treat trending on Twitter because he kind of responded to it and, and pretty much told him like to, to shut the fuck up and stay in his lane. And, uh, prefaced it by saying like, yo, I like this guy because he reminds me of me, which is like, "Ugh, that's, (laughs) that's going to rattle some cages. I'm not mad at it, man. Like I'll put it like this. Those type of promos have existed since the WCW days, since the ECW days, right? Where it's like, we are the show that, you know, they are, they are the evil empire we are the we are the real deal, like, you know, uh, wrestling show for wrestling fans. And, you know, this is where the real stuff is, right? ECW used to do it. WCW used to do it. I think even to a lesser extent, TNA did it for a while. But the one thing that Bully kind of expanded upon is it's one thing for a Jericho, a Cody Rhodes, uh, you know, even a Young Bucks to, you know, or, or or like Miro or people who just came from WWE to say those type of things. And I don't know if it was coming from a place of protectiveness of the WWE or a place of, dude, the wrestling world and your wrestling career is going to be very long. I wouldn't tell the competition that they stink because you just never know how this business goes. I don't know where that was kind of coming from, from Bully. And I think there's a place of thought where... It could have be coming from both sides right like bully ray was somebody who you know was an ecw original who became a wwe hall of famer by doing business you know the right way and bringing business to the wwe and you know as far as tag team wrestling goes and i think we'll get into that later as far as like their you know tag teams are concerned in wwe the dudley boys are one of the greatest to ever do it so and he's speaking as like a fan of Eddie Kingston, as a guy like, yo, as far as like stick guys go, as far as microphone dudes go, he's A1. I don't think there's anybody better than him in AEW or in all of professional wrestling. So I think it wasn't like coming sort of hating or whatever, but Maybe that's that's just how that's just how New Yorkers talk, man. Like he's like, yo, just stay in your fucking lane, bro. Like he's like, I've seen this thing happen. I know the guys in that building. They are petty. We know that video circulated around the building about all these type of things. And, you know, they know you. It's not like you weren't trying to be at WWE at one point. We've seen you at tryouts. We've seen that class of folks that, you know, were called in with you. Um, I almost think it was coming, it came as like, bro, like, I like you and I want you to have a long career in this, even if you don't wrestle. You know what I mean? Like, even if you don't have a a long wrestling career after this, like, there's, you can train, you can be a stick guy. There's so many dudes behind the scenes right now with WWE. Who never stepped foot in the company as a wrestler, the Sanjay Dutts of the world, even the Adam Pierces, like guys from T Abyss, you know what I mean? Like guys who never stepped foot in the WWE ring, like in in a big, in a big way, and have great careers now, or are having great careers, you know. Like I I just think it almost came as as a as, as a place of as 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 advice for them. I think John had a question in the chat. John, do you want to say something?
2: Yeah, I just feel like he was kind of coming from a perspective of, like, I don't know if you guys know the meme, but the you're not that guy, pal. You're not and that guy, pal. That, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I just think the effectiveness of this promo coming from Eddie Kingston, even though like, he's probably the best, one of the best top five promos, like, just in wrestling right now. But I just from from him versus, like, say, a Cody Rhodes or for someone that, like, really, I feel like has that impact. Yeah. I just feel like that that's where
0: it was kind of suffering, and I thought like that's where uh, Bubba Ray was coming from.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I that, yes, but also, first of all, we've been through all this with uh, Cody and all the other, with you the know, execs. Who and were the like, sledgehammer yeah, and all that and, stuff. Me, yeah, we, and meanwhile, on the, that. meanwhile, when he's asked about it, he's like, no, nah, we, we're not actually starting, we have no beef with WWE, we're not, you know, you misread that, you know, whatever. They're
1: putting on a show. It's part of
2: the show, man. Yeah, like, yeah. exactly. But, like, mm-hmm. listen, if somebody was, like, trying to figure out how awesome a place The Ringer is to work. I assume they would believe someone who just got hired there at a relatively <laughs> middle or low level, like who's out there like a wild card on Twitter who said, yeah, The Ringer's freaking awesome. It's the best place in the world. I would believe that more than I would believe. No offense, like Sean Finnessy. Sean Finnessy saying... The ringer isn't yeah. is an, is, an, is the is the best business. Th- I mean, because that's his job. That's his full time job. He's, supposed to, he's yeah. supposed to say that. He's supposed to say that, right? But if you hire a wild card and they're just like, "Dude, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me," and all of all the people here, then you believe it. You're not. Yeah. You, so you're not that guy. That's exactly who he who should be saying. That's exactly he who you're going to believe. He's, he's, he's definitely he's, that guy. He's exactly he's, the guy.
1: I think uh, anybody who's followed Eddie Kingston's career knows that he's always been this talented. And, you know, when it came to just people, you know, bigging him up or talking about him, AEW is the first big league promotion that really gave him a shot. So, like, yeah, of course he's going to say that. And he's shining there, too. He's doing great there. He's doing great work
2: there. And, by the way, back to the Bubba thing. I mean, I, don't, I agree with everything you said. I don't, think Bubba's, I don't think Bubba's out of his lane to say the things that he said. Bully, sorry. Bully Ray is out of his things to say the things that he said. But there is a constant thing with these wrestlers of the previous generation and, and obviously further back than that. that mm. like, I'm glad you mentioned that, yeah. But no, but everything evolves in life and it's upon, it, it's incumbent upon each of us to stay with the times, you know, or to be self-aware enough to know that, like, I'm not with the times right anymore, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's like, I remember, like, years ago, like, this is probably 10 years, I mean, I was doing it, I was at my old podcast, GP, like, we, I remember, we're like, the big news of the day that everybody was, like, freaking out about was Steve Austin probably on his podcast at the beginning was complaining about how like all the old finishers are are just transition moves now and people don't understand the value of a DDT like everybody's doing super kicks and DDTs and none of it has value anymore and I was just like Dude, you have a transition move in your moveset, in your heyday called the Luthez Press. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like you, like this. That's how dude finished. That's one of the the biggest wrestlers of all time finished matches. You know, like yeah. it's it like this happened. You got to be aware of it. And I think that this is a, it's a different thing. This is just talking. But, dude, but man, if you're leading, if you were leading an arena in chance of ECW in 1990, whatever, you are implicitly saying fuck WWE. Yes. In those in order of yes. WWF, sorry, in the in those days. And the only difference between that and what Eddie Kingston is saying now is that the fans are a little bit smarter and a little bit wiser. And you gotta go out there and be a human being with them and be like, let me explain to you why I fuck WWE. <laughs> you know, let, let, let me explain this to you.
1: Yeah, and it's not, it's not, no offense to ECW. It's not getting shown at 1 a.m. on the MSG network. This is prime time TNT. On a Friday night or a Saturday night right after SmackDown or right after, you know what I mean? Like it is, mm-hmm. it's definitely, you know, I thought it was a great promo. I I, I thought it was, you know, I love people uh, like, yo, have some fucking fun. All right. Like there isn't, there hasn't been a time like this in nearly 20 years when there's two top North American promotions that are vying for the attention of the general public. It hasn't been like this in 20 years. If there's people over here talking about, oh, you shouldn't do this, or that's not professional, it's like, yo, it's fucking fun, okay? Like, I wish there would be more of that. I wish there would be more of, like, I loved, I loved Kyle O'Reilly talking to to Adam Cole this past week and saying like, yo, even your wife's a big fan of mine. You know what I mean? Like the indirect sort of Britt Baker thing. Mm -hmm. I love that Eddie Kingston said that, you know, that place doesn't have heart. This is what, this is what, you know, AEW is all about. And look at me. They took a chance on me. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been scratching and clawing to get here. And now look, this is exactly why this is a place that for real wrestling fans and for real wrestlers. I want more of that shit. Talk your shit. It's supposed to be a rivalry. Like, diamonds cut diamonds. Like, glass cuts glass. Like, if you are not trying to be the best, and you know, and man, as somebody who has worked with Vince and has seen Vince and seen the sort of, you know, the, the, the high that this dude gets off of competition within his own company, you would love this. I think he loves this. I love it. Him and Jericho still talk from, if you listen to anything Jericho says, like he has no problem with another company beefing up the competition or going at their neck directly because he knows knows better than anybody from experience that competition drives the best out of him. It drives the best out of the people at his company. It drives the best out of the writers. It drives the best out of the producers. It drives the best out of every single person that wants to be in professional wrestling. I hope there's more shit talk. I hope there's more people talking about you know Triple H saying that uh, AEW is a pissant company and, and like all that stuff. I want all of it. It makes better for who? For us, the fans, the the people who talk about wrestling, all that type of stuff. The fact that Bully Ray was trending on a Wednesday afternoon <laughs> about uh, uh you know a promo that happened off the air is great for wrestling fans, okay? It is... I I love it. I want more of it.
2: And let's be honest. This is wrestling fan heat, right? This is... You do this to get that kind of reaction. I mean, listen, if you want to be mad, if you work for WWE and you want to be mad, if you're a fan, you want to be mad, you can get mad about that promo or whatever, but there is... But every sane person understands that there is a difference between what you say on the air and what you say in front of the crowd with a hot mic after you go off the air and then what Mm -hmm. you say in, like, the bar after the show. And I guarantee... Just like when they go back to the bar after the show, they're just like, "Yeah, we love those guys in WWE. NXT guys are our friends. Like, we love what they do. We're impressed by what they do." You wouldn't say that on the on the show, and you also wouldn't of say that, you know whatever. You wouldn't say the things that Eddie Kingston said, probably on the air or at the bar. It's a, it's a, just to hype the crowd. It's a game, yeah. you know. I mean, that's yeah. it, it has its place. Trust me, and, and he said something. I think Bully
1: said something about like, "Yo, he was hyped up and hyped up and hyped up." But once he mentioned. WWE he didn't get the crowd reaction that he was hoping for and that's right that is right because like sure there's definitely a section of fans who are saying fuck WWE but I think by and large wrestling fans are just fans of good wrestling even if they want to shit on Raw every single week and say how much this show sucks guess what you're still watching you're still watching why because you know it could be great you want it to be great you want you stick around because even though you may not be a fan of a particular storyline or a particular direction that some, the program is going. You're still a fan of those talents. You're still a fan of MVP. You're still a fan of the New Day, and you're still a fan of of uh, you know any, anybody—Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley and Asuka and all these people. Like you're still fans of those people. So that's why you're you're passionate enough to speak out when you think they're underperforming. So this is all for the wrestling fan. Okay, this is all good stuff. I love it.
0: Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com.
2: Well, there was, I, I mentioned at the top of the show, we got one other big Kingston promo this week. Mm-hmm. My man, Kofi, was cutting a promo at Bobby Lashley. Uh, talk after Xavier Woods got uh, attacked by Lashley. Um, here's the thing that I think the two Kingston's have in common is that <laughs> besides these two good promos, which I think, you you know, go back and watch both of them. If you haven't, if you don't, you know, you don't know what I'm talking about, but, but they're both, they both, they're both sort of like endlessly renewable resources, right? I mean, is there anybody who like fits in the main event scene immediately gets the crowd hyped when he's in the main event scene? Like, Is there is there anybody like Kofi Kingston who can just chill in the tag division or doing whatever he's going to do, and then the second they're like, we need somebody in case of emergency, break glass and yank Kofi out? And it's just like he's... I mean, Kevin Owens is the guy on the other show that's like that, right? You can just do whatever he's doing for a while, and then you pull him into the main event, and it's just like, yeah, he, yeah. he was here all
1: along. Yeah. There, is Kofi, man, I feel like I said this a few weeks ago on Twitter, and people ragged on me about it. You might rag on me about this for saying this. This might be blasphemous. And go right ahead and say it if it is being blasphemous. I think Kofi Kingston is Black Shawn Michaels. Like, I I think Kofi Kingston is somebody who we're going on, what? 17 years? 16 years? Of being on the scene? Like, he's a WWE CW product, if people forget. Like, he's in the class of CM Punk, Sheamus... John Morrison, you know, guys who were the OG, well, not, you know, OG, but like one of the first real Heyman guys, like in a roundabout way. But when you talk about people who are as accomplished as far as, you know, being in so many generations, like he has tumbled with the all time greats, he's tumbled with the Cenas, he's tumbled in the tag team division. He's been intercontinental champion. He was tag team champion with CM Punk. He was tag team champion with the with, with R-Truth. He's done comedy. He's done serious stuff. And when you think of Shawn Michaels' career trajectory, right? Like, you think of him as a guy who came into this, with the tag team, came in with the Rockers. Kofi didn't really have, like, that big sort of... Uh, You know, obviously, everyone you know uh, you know remembers the barbershop incident, the greatest heel turn, one of the greatest heel turns of all time. Kofi doesn't have that moment, right? But he does have that moment of single success that kind of mirrors, you know, Shawn Michaels being sort of an undersized guy who you know could. Tangle with everybody. He had those moments with Randy Orton, had those moments with, uh, you know, with a lot of the main event dudes. He had a great run with the Intercontinental Championship, great runs with the Tag Team Championship, has been a guy for a long time who never really got that chance to main event, uh, you know, a, a WrestleMania, have a world title match. And same thing with Shawn Michaels, right? Like, just a show stealer. When you're talking about, like, Shawn Michaels' sort of show stealing event was... You know, those ladder matches like with R- R- Razor Ramon and and, mm-hmm. and, and Diesel and, and Sid Vicious and all those guys. Kofi's show stealing sort of moments was those Royal Rumbles and the money in the banks yep. and those ladder matches and those things where it's like, man, this guy's awesome. You know, every year, you know, he's going to do something crazy to steal the show every year. And then he finally gets that chance to, to be the guy. And not only does he deliver, he over delivers like he has a moment that is up there with the boyhood dream against Bret Hart in the Iron Man match. She has a moment that's up there, you know, with with Kofi Mania and the whole lead-up to all that, like, to this day. And that's why when you're that good and you have a moment that's that pertinent with current wrestling fans, you are more of a value raising anything else around you. Like, you could do the tag team run with with Woods for a while. You can do some singles runs with, uh, you know, you know, by yourself, like, fighting for the WWE Championship. So when you get called up, when it's time for you to be that bleeding-heart babyface that's a little undersized, but you believe in him, and especially after that promo, the way he broke it down, you know, pretty much saying, like, yeah, you know, I've been through all this, but, you know, your boy's looking soft. You made him soft. You got this crutch on you. You know you, you're acting like, you know... It, Just like that, immediate threat. And there's not a lot of people who could pull that off. And I know a lot of people are going to call blasphemy when I say Kofi Kingston is is black Shawn Michaels, but he's probably the first Kofi Kingston. And I don't want to diminish him by by comparing him to another all-time great. But I just want to say there's not a lot of people that can really pull off that sort of uh, you know, talent, you know, like Chris Jericho was another guy when he was in WWE, where he could kind of toil and do a bunch of things for a couple of months and a couple of years, but as soon as you call him to be in the main event picture, he's ready, and if he wins the world title, it's not a shock to you. And that's where Kofi Kingston is. At, is that now? Yeah. man he's a living legend. And that promo this past Monday is just reminded a lot of people who that guy is. He is that guy, pal.
2: Is this, <laughs> is this the point in the podcast you want to talk about the new day being? Being announced by WWE is the greatest tag team of all time. I think we can. I think we can. Are you <laughs> are you are you down? Are you down to do it? I feel like I've, I've I've
1: spoken the gospel of Kofi for a while. I'd love to know your thoughts on on that list. It is a WWE
2: list, so let's preface that. <laughs>
1: cause, cause people it's a WWE list, right? Yeah.
2: Uh, so obviously, it's going to be totally skewed. I know that it's like old man. I'm verging on like Jim Cornette territory here. Mm-hmm. But. If it's down between a team that was like basically like a career tag team and a team of dudes who did other stuff too, I'm leaning towards the career tag team a little bit. Now, I know it's like kind of part of that's just how they exist in our memory, right? Because like the Midnight yeah. Express did not start out with Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane, and like, you know, those guys both did other things too. And like, what I mean, it's, it's, it's a
1: like what, what, what gimmick brought you to the dance is, I guess, what you're saying, All right. Like, yeah,
2: what, like, yeah, brought you to the, to, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm saying to to my brain space, but (laughs) I find it hard. I find it hard to. Are are you a Road Warriors guy, Dave? Like, are you somebody who's like, you know, I feel like the Road Warriors should be, you know, at at that top level. Who's your number one wrestler of all time, or if you could say of our lifetimes, or like of the, you know, whatever. Like, who who's who is your what's what's your number one or your number one and two.
1: Oh, man, it, it's it, it changes every week. But like if we're if we're if we're talking about just all time greats in the ring and just like influence and, and you know, match quality and all that. I mean, I guess it's got to be Shawn
2: Michaels like Shawn. Right. Is still okay, no, I'm sorry. One. I'm sorry. Yes. I think we could all probably get there somewhere close to it. Right. 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 But when, but, it, but if WWE did the same list and they were like the greatest wrestler, or the greatest singles wrestler of all time, mm-hmm. like the one and two would be Hogan and Flair. Right. Yeah. In, yeah, in some order. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, like, are you a Hogan or are you a Flair guy? The Road Warriors, aren't. I mean, are basically the Hulk Hogan of tag teams, right? I mean, they just changed the game and, like, crowds reacted to them in a way that they never reacted to any other team and probably haven't reacted since, mm-hmm. right? The I mean, Road Warrior
1: pop is wrestling vernacular for a reason.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and if you, you want to go, if you want to take Flair, I mean, I don't It's... it's phew, it's really tough, man. It's it really tough. tough. I mean, I think. Well, let's
1: let's 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 run it down, though. I mean, like if we're talking about the New Day as the greatest tag team of all time, right? Like, as far as longevity, as far as uh, WWE accomplishments, as far. Well, that's as it. You're gonna bring in
2: singles accolades, and they got an extra dude. Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. They brought back the Freebird rule. You know what I mean? Like to great success. See, the Freebirds like, are
2: on my. The Freebirds are on my short list, though. I mean that, like, I'm, right. But they were never a tag team. I mean, they, they ran a bunch of tag team matches. Yeah. But I mean, and obviously the Freebird rule was named after them, but they had a ton of single success and a bunch of feuds that were just sort of like, you know, gang feuds, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it was faction things. <laughs> I don't know. I, I
1: do feel like, though, like, you know, when did the New Day, New Day established what? Like, feels like, what, seven years ago? Eight years ago I think, now? I think it's Something longer. Like that? But- longer than that. And they're still, even on separate shows, still together. I mean, I don't know uh, as far as like longevity is concerned. You know, we really haven't gone a long time like without the New Day. Like we haven't had like you know they they don't really get injured a lot, and even when they do, there's three guys. So you know, when Woods was out, Kofi no, you're and right. Biggie six, held it down. Six seven down. years, yeah, S- about six seven years, right? Like we yeah. haven't gone a long time without the New Day on WWE television. And as much as we love. The Hardy Boys, which I love. We've had times without the Hardy Boys. They've done their time in TNA. They've done the time in Ring of Honor. They leave. They come back. They go separate ways. They come together. Like, you know, they've had a thing. Edge and Christian, as great as they were, uh, you know, comparatively so, they weren't... I don't think they've been together that long. I feel like Edge's singles career and Christian's singles career have, like... Far superseded anything they've done as a tag team in my opinion, they had right? the
2: smackdown, yeah, they had the the great run with all those other teams and the ladder matches and stuff like that and the, and i it, it, i have I'm on the fence about them, and here's why mm hmm because I'm going to give, no matter how hard I want to make the case that one team is a, the the one team counts or one team counts less, the Hardy Boys count, right? And why do they? For count? sure, for sure. One, they spent a lot of time together, but two, because they're brothers and they debuted together as a tag team, right? <laughs> Edge yeah. and Christian, Edge and Christian debuted as a tag team and they debuted as brothers. So I mean, you get <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a little bit there that you kind of and they're real life friends, obviously. I'm I'm on the fence right there. Uh, Dudley Boys also sort of brothers. <laughs> um, Usos, real brothers, we should break this down by real brothers and fake yeah, brothers. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's, I guess, I guess, once you start making rules, it's just impossible to follow them. Although, I will oh, no. say this, I will say this about the WWE list. I mean, the old timers, or even like the Melchers of the world, are going to talk about drawing power, and it's really hard to make the case that any, that a lot of tag teams in the modern era were like what were fueling ticket sales in the way that the Road Warriors did. I mean, unless you go back to like, the Rock and Sock connection, right? I mean, yeah, could, like th- yeah, that, those yeah. are two guys that, but the storyline itself put butts in seats, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. But if, you know, I, I mean, mean let's just,
1: not let's not sneeze at what the New Day has done, too. They sold cereal. Like, they sold bootios, bro. Day, the New Day
2: deserves to be in the top five. I mean, for sure, the top yeah. maybe they deserve to be number one. I don't know. It's just tag team wrestling has just been, it's just so hard. It's not like a linear thing. And it, it's really, it's difficult. You know, I grew up Like I said, the Road Warriors, I would, I would, I might put them at the top of the list, but like, you know, when we were kids, like, or when I was a kid, Demolition and the Road Warriors, you were dying to see them fight each other because they were sort of equal in your mind, you know I mean? Mm -hmm. But one was because I was, you're watching WWF TV every Saturday and that Mm -hmm. that did a lot for them. I mean, listen, there's no reason that like, no offense to our dudes, Joey Mercury and John Morrison, but Eminem does not need to be in the top 50, (laughs) you know, they don't need to be ahead of the Bushwhackers who were sitting there at 50, you know, who had a huge run as the sheep herders and like that, we got to take all that into consideration. There's a billion other tag teams that should be on here. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Los Guerrero really, is just it, sitting there at number five, but the Guerrero is like owned LA for like, for I mean, in the, in the old days forever. I mean, this is just, this is obviously a very, very skewed list, but for
1: sure, for sure.
2: But hey, that's um, what it's for, man. Good, good job by the street profits. So getting in there at number 33, I mean, that is a lot of impact in a very short amount of time. Love the street um, profits,
1: but I, mean, I will yeah. say,
2: I will say that of all of these, as much as I was like a, you know, Road Warriors guy when I was a kid when I was a kid, you know. Um, let me I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you my favorite tag teams from my childhood, how much these teams meant to me. First of all, number 46, Strike Force, when they yes. when they won the tag team titles from the Hart Foundation, I Ran outside of my house and jumped around <laughs> like I, I literally. My dad was like, "You got to come down and rake the leaves." So maybe that's why I, but I ran outside and I was like pumping my fist and jumping yeah. around. Oh my gosh! Like that. Though I love those guys. Short run. If there's
1: anything that this list also, you know, solidified. Yo, how beautiful were those OG World Tag Team titles? Right? Oh, <laughs> like, so nice. The first run, like, you know, I get it. Like, you got to put the WWE sign big and bold so, like, people could see it and know that now. But those first little... That first run with the little kind of ribbon on the side and the the lines on... It was, oh, just gorgeous, gorgeous titles. I wish they'd bring those back. But, um, man, there were some teams on there that I even forgot about that were just like... I mean, jeez. Uh, I mean... I, it's it's weird to to like overlook the brothers of destruction, but they were hella fun when they were when they finally got together. I mean, the rock and sock connection. I was watching, you know, Mick Foley on Broken Skull Sessions. Can't tell you a classic match that they've had, but would you just talk about like impact and just entertainment value and just how fun they were to watch every single time they were on screen together, like, that's got to count for a lot, you know? Like, everything can't just be, like, you know, work rate and, you know, how great matches were and tag team titles and accomplishments and all that type of stuff and what you did on your own. Like, you got to be able to be entertaining. And, you know, when it comes to people who check off all those boxes, the New Day entertaining, sold tickets, sold merch, cajillion time tag team champions world champion intercontinental champions like they've done it all brought back the freebird rule hosted wrestlemania i mean you know they have been on wild and out they are a mainstream act like the wwe doesn't have a ton of mainstream acts anymore but everybody knows bootios. everybody knows you know uh aww, welcome to blah 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 don't you dare be sour like they got that New Age Outlaws thing about them. They got every every single thing that you check off of a memorable tag team. The new day got like every everything. I love the New Age Outlaws. The oh, you didn't know like that's their you know. Um, Don't you dare be sour. Like they have everything without. A heartbreaking heel turn, by the way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) without a heel turn, like staying together. It is.
2: I was reading we had Alan Siegel at the uh, wrote a great piece for TheRigger.com earlier this week where it was an oral history of Terminator 2, which is just brings you back, man. It's a fantastic piece. And there's so much good stuff in there. But there's a great part where. James Cameron has written the script. Arnold has agreed to you know, play to, to be in the movie. Everything's in place, but he just finishes the script at the last minute and Arnold's reading it and they have a breakfast together and Arnold's really uncomfortable and Cameron's like, what, what, what's wrong? Tell me, I know something's wrong. And Arnold's like, I'm the guy that busts down the door and shoots everybody dead and I don't kill anybody in this movie. <laughs> and James Cameron's like, that's the thing. If we can pull this off, it's gonna be insane. People are gonna go be, be so shocked. And it took a little convincing, but but Arnold got it. With the New Day, maybe that's the thing, right? Maybe this is the thing. You look back mm-hmm. at their careers and you're like, they did all that and they never did a heel turn. They never like, there broke was up. no, There was no heel turn. There was no split up. There was like that. Gosh, if they can mm-hmm. pull that off. Wow. I hope wow. they do. I think they will. And I
1: hope they do. Like if there's anything, every, every tag team on that list, every single one, they broke up at some point. There's a heel turn at some point. Somebody went solo. They've had a match. If the New Day can pull off an entire career of never turning heel on each other, of never breaking up with each other, I mean, that's just another tip in the feather in the cap of them being the greatest tag team in the world. Maybe that wins them over in the eyes of the people who watch them that aren't WWE fans that don't have a WWE lens on it. Could be like, well, you know what? They did all that and they never broke up and they stuck together. That's that's an incredible run.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, I just love those old-school teams, though, man. I mean, I can't... And this isn't just like, oh, I love wrestling was so much better, tag teams so much better back then. I mean, I just... When I was a kid, we were all kids. We all loved them when we were kids, but, man, yeah. I just loved... I loved the British Bulldogs with every fiber of my body. There was, I was you know, a
1: big two-dudes with attitudes guy. I thought those oh. were the coolest
2: guys <laughs> yeah.
1: in the world, you know? Like, I was... I was a big uh you know, I was a big heart foundation, the new heart foundation with like Owen and 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 Anvil. Like I mm-hmm. didn't really get a whole lot of Brett and Anvil as a kid. Like I saw them here and there, but my heart foundation was Owen Hart and Jim the Anvil Night Heart, funny enough. So um, <laughs> even the outsiders, I was a big fan of the outsiders as as tag teams, but I know that's a big WCW team, but there's so many. It, it's a fun list. If you haven't saw it on the network, whatever, like, I guess this is, this is the whole point of doing a show like that, right? To get people like us to talk about it. And, and, it's insulting and that up.
2: high energy with Coco and Owen is not, oh, yeah. not on the list. That's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a slap in the face <laughs> to both. But Money, Inc., though. Money, Inc. makes it. Oh. Oh, shout out to them. <laughs> I mean, this is good. This is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun list. It's a fun list. Fun list. Um, fun list. The show, man, but when the Rockers first showed up, though, oh, Oh, man, that was like when your favorite act first got to perform on SNL or something. You're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're listening to us kids. Um, Oh, man. Great music. Great entrance. I love the
1: Rockers, too, man. That 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 was probably my first favorite tag team as a kid, watching them on Superstars. You know what I mean? Doing it.
2: That was oh, great. Oh yeah, great. Well, so yeah. so one of the t- so Edge and Christian. I mean, I you know they were they they deserve to be on there. Um, for sure, for sure, definitely. But it's the reason why I mentioned them. Obviously, is because Edge. We can talk about both of them. I mean, Christian was present for that Kingston promo on Saturday. He was standing there in the ring, wiping sweat out of his eyes, and Edge, with a big old beard, is back. Mm-hmm. Seeking revenge on Roman Reigns, looks like they're gonna tangle at a uh, at money. I mean, yeah, money in the bank. What do you think? Are you excited to see Edge back? And do you think this is this Reigns feud just treading water now for whatever Reigns is gonna do at SummerSlam? Or what, we've already heard rumors that Edge is gonna be going up with going up against uh, Seth Rollins at SummerSlam? And 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 obviously the rumor is Reigns and Cena. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, crazy yeah. bearded Edge versus Roman Reigns is kind of fun, right?
1: Yeah, definitely kind of fun and definitely the right call to make because Edge never got his one-on-one title match uh, after winning the Royal Rumble, and he kind of left after a triple threat match at WrestleMania, so he has a bone to pick there. And also, Seth Rollins has a bone to pick because right before that promo, right before that uh, championship, uh, you know, Roman Reigns addressing the universal title uh, statement, um, Seth Rollins went up to, you know, the authorities, uh, or whatever we're calling them now, Adam Pearce and and Sony Deville, and was like, "Yo, I'm focused. I'm back. I'm off the Cesaro stuff. And you know, any if there's anybody who should be next in line for a Universal Title, it should be me." And the next thing you know, you see Edge just kind of jumped the line on there. So I fully expect Seth Rollins to cost Edge the you know Universal Title, um, you know, and you know I fully expect them to to tangle at SummerSlam, and John Cena. We're we're in the summer of Cena. You know what I mean? Fast Furious Nine killed at the box office, suicide squad dropping in a few weeks. It makes all the sense in the world for John Cena and Roman Reigns to come. And he, and Cena hasn't necessarily hit it from anybody too. that. Yes. I'm on my way back. Like I'm coming. It's just a matter of when, and, um, uh, you know, a stadium in Las Vegas doesn't seem like a bad place to pick up where he left off. So, um, but as far as edge and Roman Reigns is concerned, really excited for that. I think edge, um, you know, he's been brilliant in his return. And, uh, you know, that'll be in a crowd. That'll be, in, I, I, I'm not necessarily sure where Manina Bank is taking place at, but, you know, it's it's going to be lit, man. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of, of of their chemistry together and their story together. And Edge sort of like making sense of a Roman Reigns feud. Like, I didn't know they had that much in common. Like, Edge had a promo leading up to I think, Elimination Chamber, where he was basically saying, like, dude, you got, you got your whole swag from me. You threw the spear, you came through the crowd, you debuted in a group, you're, you, you, you bit my whole style. To, to quote Soldier Boy, my whole fucking flow, word for word, bar for bar. And I was like, okay, all right, this makes sense. I can get with this. And, um, you know, and these are two guys who came back from stuff that we never thought we'd, you know, see before. Roman Reigns came back from, you know, cancer. Edge came back from a career ending, you know, neck injury and concussions and stuff like that. Like it's a match that if you told me three years ago what would have happened, I wouldn't believe you. So um really looking forward to that. And if you're if there's anything to do, you know, in the summertime, it's 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 good to run back a WrestleMania feud. So I'm looking forward to that. It should be a fun one.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I'm excited for money in the bank. We got um uh Kofi versus Lashley which you talked about I mean even if some of these are kind of placeholders they're great ones right and then we got Drew over there Drew McIntyre winning his way into the ladder match you know I mean the big question that we had after the after Hell in a Cell was what are they going to do with Drew and we talked about maybe shifting to their show they could still do that obviously they probably they, they very well may um but I kind of like him being in this ladder match territory too I mean there's a lot of a lot of very interesting things that can come out of that match we got your high flyers in there with uh Morrison and Ricochet and we and, and Riddle's in there who's just been the freaking anchor of Raw for the past Ooh, few weeks, man. Let's talk I mean. about that, dude. Like, he...
1: They've been... I, I feel like for the past couple... And, and I feel like I've been talking so much about Riddle for a while. I feel like for the past couple of weeks, they've kind of been treading water as Riddle as the, the A guy on Monday Night Raw. And I think this past week, when you bookend him, like, any, he, he got the Roman Reigns treatment. He started the show and he ended the show. Right? So it's like, when you're there... As a dude who hasn't been on the main roster that long, maybe like a year and some change, they really do believe in you. They got him in the, you know, in the in the Money in the Bank uh, storyline, and even like him just really trying to make Randy Orton his his friend and and his buddy. That I mean I I don't know if they pulled a the trigger on that by Summerslam, but if they do, that is another main event match right there, man. Like Matt Riddle and Randy Orton. You know, if if it happens, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that. He was my pick to win the Money in the Bank briefcase, um, Matt Riddle. But who knows? Who knows, man? Like, cause I'm just I'm just intrigued at where they're taking the story. And if they and we mentioned the Rock and sock connection earlier in the episode, and you know, if you watch McFoley on Broken Skull Sessions, he said, yeah, they were supposed to I was supposed to turn on him. I was supposed to be the the, the heel. He's supposed to be the baby face, and we we're supposed to kind of go that way. But I'm not necessarily mad at Randy and, and Matt Riddle kind of like sticking together and just having this weird, kooky sort of relationship as long as they can because Riddle's just been so entertaining every time he's been on TV. I think he's been hilarious.
2: Yeah, he's been great. And Randy Orton has been, well, I called Riddle the anchor. And Orton's anchor that whole thing, right? I mean, Riddle is a Riddle is shining through all this. But he, if you put somebody else in the Randy Orton spot, Riddle would not be reaching the same heights I feel confident in saying you know so and good on WWE for giving Riddle the space to get this to you know to, to, to get this sort of attention you know yeah. I mean just I mean everything is just falling in into place for him and I'm really excited to see it um, him being you know subbing for Randy Orton on Monday night was just I mean just beautiful it felt it felt I don't know man it, I mean it felt like a flashback to a much more vital era of WWE television. I mean, it's just a small thing, but dang, man, it was going to really be good. such a
1: huge baby face, man. He's going to be yeah. such a huge baby face. Matt Riddle. Like he's, he's, he's a megastar in the making, dude. Like he if he if, if they keep him right, if they let him do him, like I said this when he first debuted, I'm like, he's Rob Van Damme. meets Kurt angle. Like mm-hmm. you put them together. I know it was laughable a few years ago about a Matt Riddle, Brock Lesnar match. It's not that laughable anymore. Like nah. it's definitely, it's definitely something that is is going to get the attention of people, especially if this dude wins money in the bank. You know, like you, you just never know. You never know. Um, Can you imagine Brock Lesnar, a champion Brock Lesnar, getting cashed in on by Matt Riddle like yeah. that? I mean, who knows?
2: Who knows, man. So, uh, the other big highlighter raw was Ricochet. I think literally flying from the top <laughs> rope, uh, crossbodying. I mean, it's talking about saying goodbye to uh the to to the Thunderdome, the Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. and what and what and the and the and the, what the Thunderdome allowed you to do. But they I mean everybody saw this in mm-hmm. real time or in GIF format, but Ricochet springboards off the top rope and crossbodies John Morrison, who's sitting on the guardrail, uh, and they both fall into a black hole. Um <laughs> it was what a cool spot, man. What a cool yeah. spot. It's good to see get Ricochet getting a little bit of shine. Um, it might just be to polish him up for the ladder match, but who cares? It was, it's, it's really who cares? Anytime it's you really get
1: on TV to do f- cool flippy shit, I'm watching. Yeah. Same time. for, <laughs>
2: same for, same for John, Johnny drip drip Morrison. I mean, it's a, it's a, uh, it's going to be fun to see them in that spot. Even if you think, well, they're not going to win. It's so what mm-hmm. they're, they're there to make it, to make it a lot more fun.
1: Who cares? Um, and it's going to be a crowd too. Are You kidding me? You don't think they're going to pull out all the fucking stops with mm-hmm. those three guys and in including Riddle? As far as like high but, flyers in the ladder match, it's going to be lit.
2: But speaking of pulling out the stops, let me pull the let's come full circle button here. Let's go back to AEW. Yes. Let's somehow, talk about it. somehow, mm-hmm. Ricochet can springboard off the top rope and crossbody his you know John Morrison into the fake crowd, and it's not the best outside the ring springboard <laughs> leap of mm. the week mm-hmm. last night on, uh, dynamite, um, Sammy Guevara jumped from the top rope outside the ring doing like a somersault, whatever onto MJF in their main event match. Mm-hmm. And the, the Rob Van Dam special, I'll call it the somersault. Yeah, I the mean it, and it, it, uh, it went off smoothly. I mean, MJF's head looked like it was about a millimeter away from banging a chair, which probably would have been bad, but, uh, It went off, it was smooth, and it was maybe, I guess, the high point of, I mean, I can't remember the last time, I guess that's an overstatement, but I I can't remember, I mean, I'll say it, I can't remember the last time I saw a match and said, and was debating between four and a half and five stars in my head when it finished, and had no doubt that anybody else, I mean, I don't think there's To this moment, I don't think there's anybody that's going to put that match below four and a half stars. It was such a freaking good match. I mean, yeah, they went light on the ending because they have to save a little, you know, save the heat for later on. And it was just an episode of Dynamite. That's the only knock on it. I mean, it was, listen, uh, there are some old timers. We want to have that conversation again who might take some issue with some of the sequences and some of the sort of modern flourishes in the match. But that match told a good story, and it was built on the, you know, obviously on the foundation of what has been an excellent little storytelling situation. And, man, those guys just, they did it. They did it. That was a, when we talk about a pay-per-view quality match, they just had the dream version of one on just an episode of Wednesday Night Dynamite. And it was, it was, I mean, listen, they were the main event. And you put those, you put two guys in the main event like in the main event spot like that to see what they can do. And they, I mean, that was crazy. I know that these two guys from the beginning, from the first episode of AEW Dynamite, we've been. I mean, everybody has been on the Sammy Guevara and MJF for the future of the company page. I think Chris Jericho's probably said it out loud ten times. But man, that's it. Doesn't make you any less just floored when you see a match that that's that good. I mean, that was just great. Stuff. And that's and that's all just entering
1: stuff, right? I yeah. think what really takes that match and that main event to the next level is the masterful mic work from MJF. I've become mm-hmm. such a fan of this dude for the past like I've always I've always had my eye on him. I've always thought he was good. I always thought, you know, like yeah obviously this guy's super talented, but like the way he's cutting promos and the way he's talking doesn't sound like he's cutting promos. He sounds like he's talking, like, I don't know how to really explain this. He sounds like he's talking directly to me, even though he's not. And I still don't like him, which is a talent, right? <laughs> Like, the way he talks about Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho and the way he bigs himself up is so personal. And such a, a, a way to just really get under people's skin. It makes me not like him in the sense that I'm not supposed to like him, which in turn makes me respect the hell out of his mic work. It's just like, dude, how is this guy getting me this invested into this match? Um, without really saying anything personal about me. <laughs> you know, like that's a true talent. He's just got mm-hmm. such a prickish jerk attitude and i feel like I, I i perused twitter for a little bit and um you know obviously he got like a lot of uh ms comparisons earlier in his career but i'm willing to say like mjf is kind of like treading toward like trending towards like being the triple h of that company mm. where he's just like just like if people don't remember early 2000s Triple H when you know he was he was rolling with the corporation and the heel version of DX and you know his first real run with the world title and calling himself the game for the first time and 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 all that type of stuff like go back and watch that shit if you don't see the parallels between that and MJF right now like you know this dude is going to be... And I've said it a billion times on this show. Like, if I'm WWE, when this dude's contract is up, I give him a, a, a offer he can't refuse because he's that good. Um, he has been just on absolute fire as, as, as a masterful, masterful heel. Like, just, just mm-hmm. so good at just getting getting hated and in a time where it's really hard especially to quote-unquote smart wrestling fans to get hated because you can be so good at being a heel that people like you and I don't think MJF does that like MJF is so good as a heel some people like him but like all in all you still want to see him get his ass kicked you still want to see like you know Sammy Guevara like get him up on him or Jericho get up on him and like and he hasn't and he hasn't and to top it all off he could fucking go in the ring. Like, incredibly underrated athleticism. Great in-the-ring storyteller. The only knock on him, I think, for other people, and and I don't even think it even comes up to me anymore, is that he's not the biggest dude. And it doesn't really matter at this point. Like, he's just, he's he's, he's amazing. And I haven't talked so much about Sammy, Sammy Guevara, but we know how good Sammy is in the ring. But MJF, man, like, that dude is on
2: another level when it comes to that company, especially given how young he is. It's true, and Sammy Guevara too, man. MJF in some ways were sort of a given to me. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, he seems sort of like he had so much talent on the mic that I had no doubt that he was going to sort of become an like a one of the main pillars of that company. Mm-hmm. Sammy just seemed like somebody at times who was sort of thrown in to the list of like young up and comers because. You know, he had a little something, but mostly they just needed a list, right? But, but I mean, I was—I'm wrong. I was crazy. He's one of the best. He's just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so good at every every aspect of the business. He's not a talker to the level of MJF, but he's got the charisma and the face and the you know all the reactions. Everything else is just so he—he—he's right there. He's right there with him. Mm-hmm. And and you got like you know Jungle Boy, who in that famous promo that we talked about early on. Eddie Kingston called the future of the company. I mean, man, they got a real future of the company going right there. And these are all, you know, um, it's really cool to see. It's really cool to see. And it's really cool to see the future of the company being the present of the company too and being able to pull off bangers like we saw on Wednesday night. I mean, what a, what a just an insane match that was. And and the best part is they didn't need to do it. This is what they talk about. This is what they mean when they talk about AEW caring about their fans, right? I mean, they, the wrestlers will give you that they know they under like they understand the value of putting on a good match and they mm-hmm. and, and 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 giving us that enjoyment right not that they don't in wwe but the, and then in, and, and the people on top will let them do it they're not worried about saving something for down the road or whatever yeah. i mean except maybe in a storytelling way obviously like, we talked about the ending but i mean damn Damn! What a good match. What Great a Great match. Platform. I feel
1: like AEW does that once a month. They have a match that really like resets. what yeah. We think their their ceiling is right. Like I think the last match that really made me feel like that was Burt Baker and uh, Thunder
2: mm-hmm. Rosa. Yeah, but when just, I was just like, imagine if WWE just did put that on the dry erase board. Just like, so, but just once a month we have a match that gets the internet talking because it's yeah. so good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. What What match would that be? Like, if if you fantasy book me for this, what would
1: be the equivalent? Of let's just get the internet talking really fast or for Raw SmackDown and NXT.
2: Well, the thing is, you can do it. I mean, you could do it on any of those shows. It's not, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and it's not even just about the people involved. Although you know, star power, I guess, matters to some extent.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, but I mean, phew. it's like, what if if I'm on Raw, I mean, I'm just like.
1: Yo, let's just have let's just have a uh, 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 Bobby Lashley versus like Ricochet for the world title and make Ricochet just look f- fucking phenomenal, right? Yeah, like, let's make a guy like that would be my match. I'd be like if on SmackDown, oh, that would be, be like, sick. On, on SmackDown, I'd be like, you know what? Let's just have Drew and Roman Reigns go to like a sixty-minute draw just because, just to get people talking. You know what I'm saying? Like on NXT, not sure what it would be, but I'd be like, you know what? I wouldn't be mad at let's. I don't know what that match is on NXT. I feel like they're still kind of figuring it out, and everybody else, everybody kind of needs to get themselves sort of talking right now. But like, it's you know, like, you made a great point about like just why why save these matches? Like, just put on just put on the best match you can put on every single week, and well, then figure the it out
2: down the line. Here's the thing: WWE's problem. If you got, I mean, if if I want to just kind of point at one thing, and there's mm-hmm. there's every company has lots of problems, but it's that. You know, forever they've been saving things for matches for WrestleMania that never come to pass, right? Because somebody gets hurt or they rebook it or whatever. And so you would never end up getting like they were saving the Shield reunion forever. And it never ended <laughs> up being paid, you know, being a, as big a deal as they, they kept getting it. hurt. <laughs> yeah, they kept getting hurt. And then they kept, you know, it never was the right moment. And then whatever. And now then Moxie's leaving and blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. um you shouldn't be saving anything. If it, you can make the case that you should save something for the next pay per view, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, well, let's let's not blow this match now. Let's put it on money in the bank. Let's do whatever. But like. Even then, WWE is like told has trained us now over the past several years to understand that like pay per views don't really matter either, right? I mean, yeah. it's not like we're going to be seeing blow-offs there. We're not going to necessarily be seeing the best matches in the feud. So yeah, just give it to us on Monday Night Raw. Just bump those ratings or whatever. And here's and by the way, you want a match that could really just like that we'd be talking about. We could spend the whole episode talking about next week. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn is happening this Friday on SmackDown. Right? Last Man
1: Standing. Oh, that's Start gonna be a banger. The, st-
2: Start start <laughs> the match at nine o'clock, you know, or start hell start the match at eight o'clock. But whatever, start the match at nine o'clock and let it go an hour.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't see why not. I mean, listen, I don't know how far a lot of fans go back, but like, I mean, obviously, if you listen to the show, I'm assuming you do. But like, the Kevin Steen El Generico like feud was my real introduction into like being a hardcore indie wrestling fan. Like, I kind of passively paid attention here and there for for some guys like the CM Punk's of the world, but like I wasn't necessarily, you know, searching out matches uh, like that at that age, but Kevin Steen and Elgin, I mean like actually going and watching these matches, matter of fact, let me rephrase that, but like the Kevin Steen and El Generico like feud was that for indie wrestling to me, to me like, and that's maybe showing my age or showing my like, you know, no, no, willingness no, no, no. to go and, and see these indie guys on my own but like they always deliver, and the fact that they're giving it a week to build up, they're putting it a stipulation it is to get into the money in the bank match. That's probably their answer to a MJF Sammy Guevara match. It's like, okay, this is going to be cool and all, but here's this like all time great blood feud that we're going to put some stakes behind. And you know, Sami Zayn, who's coming off a, a, a win off of from Kevin Owens, a rare clean pinfall win that almost never happens with these two. This one's gonna tear the roof off. I, I'm I'm hoping it's the main event on SmackDown. I'm pretty sure it will be
2: and close the show. Uh, But I could watch those guys fight forever, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they could fight forever. I said before, <laughs> I think that like Sammy Sammy Zayn versus Kevin Owens is basically just like the like the when the Gorilla Monsoon came out and said and announced the second. Sean uh, Razor Ladder Match, where he was just like, "Okay, I know we have a lot of storylines going on, whatever, but let's just forget all those because I know what you guys <laughs> really want is a ladder match, right, between yes. these guys that you've seen before." That's the Sami Zayn Kevin Owens relationship. It's just like, you know what? Let's just put them on the Let's, let's just, just give do them it. that's better than anything else we have going right now, anyway. And yeah, and who cares? I mean, would anybody be upset if they just feuded with each other exclusively for the next five years? I mean, I think they could probably figure out a way to keep it interesting. But anyway, regardless. This is a match on Friday night. The WWE has the ability to have us talking about like like the same way we're talking about MJF Sammy. And we'll see if, you know, my my I'm not I'm not super confident that's what's gonna happen, but it's an opportunity. So let's put that on the dry race board and see what they do with it. You know, I mean it's it has the potential to be really cool. I love both those guys. I just hope they give them the opportunity to, you know, to to show what they can do. I know what you mean. Is they, I mean, that was their feud, the generic Osteen stuff. was. I mean, that, I was lucky enough to see some of that in person, you know? And, and it was, I mean, phew, the tail end of it. I mean, it, and they, that stuff was just freaking amazing. They told the story over like multiple federations over a number of years. That's the kind of thing. That's just so hard to do. And now they're doing it on the big stage and let's see if they get on Friday night Let's see if they can do anything. Cause I love them. I mean, I, just, I hope they give them an hour. I would do, I would start it at nine and give them the rest of the show. Just let people... I mean, that would get people talking way more than anything else you can do. I mean, I'm sure the Edge promo on Friday is going to be great, but it would be a bigger deal to have like an hour-long last man standing match that just kind of set the world on fire. Anyway, let's get out of here.
1: That's a good time
2: to end, right? Do you want to do some
1: plugs? Of course I do. Let's do it. Say less with Kaz, Loki, and Rosie every Monday on all streaming platforms and on YouTube.com slash Kazim. MSGPM is back July 19th. We are back on MSG Networks with the wonderful Monica McNutt and we are nominated for a New York Emmy so thanks for everybody checking that out really excited about that hopefully you bring home some trophies sure it's nice to get nominated but I'm greedy and I want that trophy so uh, thanks for all that and um, man lots of good stuff coming down the pipeline so stay tuned stay tuned for that
2: Uh, you can hear me on here you can hear me on the press box I do other stuff too but uh, that's, that's good enough thank you as always To our babyface production assistant, John Kerma. Apologies, as always, to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, Humanoids.
0: Tony Schiavone here on The Masked Man
2: Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on The Masked Man Show.